0: You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. What if we're not alone in our solar system? What if the fourth planet has a thriving civilization but feels threatened when Earth creates nuclear-powered rockets? And then what if they show up, hide their ship underground in a field, and change people over into mind-controlled zombies or mutants? for their own purposes. What if you came face-to-face with the invaders from Mars? I'm Ryan Myers, and this is Sci-Fi 5, your five minutes of science fiction history for April 22nd. Premiering on this day in 1953, Invaders from Mars could easily have been chalked up as another Cold War-era alien invasion movie in which the good guys, the good old U.S. Army, has to blow up Martians to get them to leave Earth. And there is that, but there's so much more. The first half of the movie is really a paranoid nightmare, in which a young boy, David, sees an alien vessel land and then bury itself in the land just beyond his home. David has a passion for science and astronomy, just like his dad, George, who happens to work on those high-end rockets being developed nearby. When George goes out to investigate, he's sucked underground, only to return home later changed. He's had something implanted into the back of his neck, putting him under the control of the aliens. Soon, more people in David's world are transformed. His mother, his neighbors, the chief of police. Nobody can be trusted. And that's where Invaders from Mars is at its most effective, as a horror story where the protagonist is the most vulnerable. David eventually meets with the sympathetic Dr. Pat Blake, played here by Helena Carter, in her last film role before retirement from show business at the age of 33. With her help and the insights of a friendly scientist, they're able to convince the army of the real threat. That means it's time to crank up the stock footage of tanks and weapons firing as our heroes race to save humanity from the Martian scourge. Or do they? It depends on which version of the movie you see. Invaders from Mars was directed by William Cameron Menzies, the man who invented the job of production designer, and worked on films like Gone with the Wind and Hitchcock's Rebecca. He brought his keen eye for visual storytelling to his role as director here, and it's apparent in the many graphically creative shots. David's journey at first is in a stark, almost comic book world, and that world shifts when the action moves to the subterranean domain of the Martians. Menzies filled the screen with truly alien melted rock formations from the alien heat gun, achieved with the use of thousands of inflated condoms on the set walls. One of the most visually arresting images from the movie is that of the Martian Head, disembodied, encased in a glass sphere, staring coldly and silently giving orders to the mutants who capture the humans. We'll spoil the ending here to say that the humans are victorious and David and his compatriots get away. Even his parents are saved once the alien implants can be removed from their necks. But as the flying saucer leaves, David wakes up, seeing the same saucer land. And we have to assume his nightmare was only a foreshadowing of what really is to come. British audiences weren't so keen on that ambiguous downer of an ending. There were multiple changes made to the UK edit, even years after production, reshooting some scenes with the lead actors, resulting in a longer film by seven minutes. That one had a much less depressing fate for David and his friends and family. American audiences liked what they got, though, even with the movie's imperfections. It became a cult classic among 1950s science fiction. In fact, it was among the very first sci-fi films to be shot in color and the producers stepped up the release to April of 1953 in order to beat George Pal's War of the Worlds, making this the first color sci-fi film audiences would ever see. From its nightmare scenario to its timelessly arresting visuals, Invaders from Mars left a mark, and its cult status was further cemented when Toby Hooper decided to remake it in 1986. But that is a story for another time. This has been five minutes of science fiction history, your daily sci-fi five, or April 22nd. Sci Fi Five is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.